all those who doubted my ability and questioned my parents about where and why I was going out to practice ask me for a selfie today Hello listeners I'm your host Ziad Matar and I would like to welcome you all to the Wirelessly Yours podcast where I talk about everything tech business and design On each episode I invite some of the brightest minds to join me and discuss cutting edge technologies emerging business models and the latest design trends that are transforming our world and shaping the future Wirelessly Yours Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this new episode of the Wirelessly Yours podcast. I'm your host, Ziad Matar, and in this episode, we will talk about culture, how to preserve it through empowerment, conversation, and yes, through change. And to talk about this today, I have the great honor and pleasure of hosting the published photographer and author, Mahwash Rahman, who also happens to be a podcaster, an online show host, a poet, and an activist. Mahwash, welcome to Wirelessly Yours. Thank you for accepting my invitation. It's good to see you again. Um, as you know, you, let's start by talking about you know our backgrounds, literally, and uh, you know in in real life. You want to talk about your background first? Well, you know, uh, since we <laughs> spoke the last time, uh, uh, I have been traveling a lot, and uh, right now I'm in in Spain, in Barcelona. And this is the beautiful co-working space where I. Uh, where I spend most of my days nowadays cloudworks and uh, you'll see a lot of people passing by don't let them distract you while we talk and this oh, is yeah. the hat that we first i think uh, met uh, on uh, it's an australian uh, hat uh, you know crocodile dundee style <laughs> all right and uh, i know you like to wear hats so i actually brought my zebra out and interestingly i always put my hat on the zebra and this reminds me of this uh, beautiful trip um actually i'd say a larger than life sort of paradigm shift to tanzania uh, right. that of course had to be uh, you know that was done pre covid in 2019 so we went to see the animal migration uh, um in uh, in march uh, 2019 and why i think it's so important is or it's so close to my heart is because um i was not up for going i uh, at all actually this is the first time we decided to go i started having nightmares and because i saw all these youtube videos of animals yes. attacking and and i said no i can't go and then i you know re- remembered something like we, which we all have heard that you know the the thing that we want the most lies on the other side of the fear and i said okay no we have to go and uh, Ziad, it was honestly uh, something that I have never experienced. Um, I've actually written a piece on it as well. It's called uh, "The Great Animal Migration: Lessons That I Learned from the Animal Kingdom." So put, this always. We will put the link to this in our. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so so this always reminds me that um, a it is so important to to overcome your fear and push your boundaries to you know come out of your comfort zone and and do something that you're not willing to do otherwise, and b of course uh, to invest in experiences which is really important. Amazing. Uh, I'm glad uh, to hear the story. And is the the hat also from the same trip? That's right. So it's, uh, <laughs> African safari hat, I guess. That's right. That's right. Beautiful. Um, this uh, actually, uh, this getting out of our comfort zone uh, actually brings us nicely into the first section of the podcast. We usually call it the elephant in the zoo, and uh, I think it couldn't be a more fitting title because the you know your first project, your first published book was 
kind of exposing a big elephant in the Zoom, women in green and beyond. Uh, I don't know if my uh, audience knows a lot about this, so perhaps you want to tell us a little bit about the story of women in green and beyond, how you, you, know, you got out of that comfort zone and everybody got with you probably. Right. So just to give you a little bit of background, uh, my journey has been a little unusual uh, because I am a business graduate. And um, uh, so like 20 years ago, if somebody had uh, told me that I'd be doing the kind of projects that I'm working on today, um, I would have mostly laughed it off because at, at the time I was, you know, straight out from college, uh, from from you know being an MBA, and then uh, I was working as a ba banker, and that was pretty much it. And uh, when I took time off because of my kids, I went to the art school and I learned photography, and that kind of completely opened this new world, you know, undiscovered world of art for me, uh, at least which I was completely ob oblivious to. And at that point, I realized that the power of the medium, you know, the power of the medium photography, I realized that without even uttering a word, you were able to say so much. So this project of mine, Women in Green and Beyond, actually started as my um, thesis project uh, at the art school. And um, um, this was important because uh, I don't know how familiar you are with cricket, but cricket is really big in our part of the world. Yeah. And um, at the time, this was 2010. And at the time, we had uh, women cricketers won the Asian Games. So they had come back, and there was a small coverage in the newspaper, and that's about it. Um, and you know, I started talking to my family and friends, and I was surprised to know that most of the people didn't know that the women's cricket team even existed. Um, and when I did a little more research, then I was surprised to know that the women's cricket team had existed for two decades. Not, you know, it wasn't there just for a few years, but had, had existed for a very long time. So I think this is what made me, uh, this is what prompted me to start this project because I wanted to give these women the due recognition uh, and I wanted to celebrate women heroes, you know, and highlight the strength of will and character of Pakistani women. So this is how it started. And as it progressed, you know, as time went by, I kept developing it. I kept, um, uh, because the thesis ended after a year, but I was, mm -hmm. there was something which I was not, that was not letting me let go of this project. You know, I moved to the US right after, um, and then I tried to, you know, uh, bring the stories out. Um, I had like digital exhibitions and stuff, but it wasn't going, anywhere you know i was meeting with a lot of rejections also but there was a point in my life that i had to ask that why was i not willing to let go you know and that made me do a lot of self-reflection and ask me where where the motivation comes from you know and yes. then of course i realized that you know being a south asian woman and having grown up in a society where there's certain, you know, women are expected to assume certain roles. There's certain expectations from them. Um, I think it was it, through these women I was trying to, to uh, you know, I was living my own dreams and aspirations. Exactly. You so identified with them. Exactly. I was able to identify with them and I wanted to uh, bring their stories out. So slowly I started, you know, I was photographing them, then I made really good friends with them. I went to their private spaces. So there are a lot of layers in the narrative. And uh, um, you'll be, um, 
it it i mean you'll be able to see the stories of bravery stories of struggle perseverance pride you know passion of these young women um and uh, like i said during this process i was able to discover a lot about myself and my own motivations and aspirations as well and today i'm proud to say that you know uh, it's been uh, the book was published in 2016 and today i see that you know there's there's a huge difference in you know you can see that they they have really evolved in their journey as well when i started to where they are today you know they are now they have contracts they are national and international heroes they have their own followings so i'm happy to to have done my my part in amplifying their stories it's amazing because i didn't know the full story as well and i was expecting more uh, resistance within the, the the families or the actual belongings of these uh, Uh, fantastic girls and uh, what i'm hearing is that it existed for a while so within you know they they were having maybe the support that they needed within to a certain extent but there was right. a, a difficulty of accepting this or or making it even available in the public uh, for it to be really completely under uh, under the radar for for 20 years even though they won the the asian championship so quite amazing. that's right I just like to show you one a photograph and so it's basically I wanted to uh you know have the images as standalone images and there are very few quotes uh, from the players but I just want to highlight this quote from this player which says that all those who doubted my ability and questioned my parents about where and why I was I was going out to practice asked me for a selfie today nice. so you see this in itself says so much Uh, you know you really don't need to say anything more yeah it's an amazing story and and from there also you you know like you can see the change that uh, your book contributed uh, in, in, into this uh, uh, you know environment but but also then you continued that journey into supporting also women uh, through the your role at the UN uh, women so maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that Yeah so that uh, was basically a digital project and uh, it was with Empower Women which is um, a leg of UN Women so we were working as Empower Women Champion for Change uh, this was a year long pro- project and uh, we were basically going to redefine the term break the glass um, and and develop that campaign and what we did was that you know uh, we uh, it was for the women's e- economic empowerment uh, but the idea was that uh women do not just face glass ceiling in the corporate world but also from you know the culture the environment their personal agency for example even if you have all the tools available for women but if they don't believe in themselves you know their perceptions about their own selves their perceptions of the other gender about them so it was a it was a very interesting project uh, and we launched it on the international women's day actually um it's a whole full fledged uh, campaign we just call like you can look it up it's hashtag break the glass um mm-hmm. and so we invited three primarily three uh, audiences uh, one was uh, you know women who were in like stem ceos you know just talking about their journeys then we invited men who were enablers and supporters in women's lives and then of course uh, children as well because i think the change starts from your very core which is your home and how do again how do young um, young girls think about themselves do they, do they really believe that they can achieve anything that they want and what what do young boys have perceptions about the other gender so it was more on that 
It's amazing, and uh, things are changing a lot. My son plays a lot of Fortnite, and uh, and I noticed that a lot of the characters they use right now, even in their first person, are actually women characters. So you can yeah. see how this has uh, evolved, and um, and also for me. I always said that uh, we need to. I lost my light here. Sorry. Uh, from my personal perspective, uh, I always felt that if we want to, you know, provide more, uh, at least in a couple situation, in a family situation, provide more space for uh, the woman to 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 to, to fulfill uh, her, her professional career and potential. Uh, the man needs to be also be given enough space to fulfill certain duties in the house and uh, right. particularly in, in certain areas of the world you know we we hardly got get one day of paternity leave so that doesn't really leave much space for us absolutely to, to act uh, and then play a role whereas in in in, in certain uh, very developed economies it's almost equal uh, absolutely equal that's amazing and you know we talked a little bit about uh, you know this uh, unusual background and, and uh, unusual shifts that we have done, and uh, you know the, the section uh, in, in the podcast is called "Business Unusual" because uh, we, we 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 don't think that uh, things will be really normal. We don't, I don't personally think that things were ever normal. Uh, you know, or our or, or our ideas of control are just illusions, and and we can you know. Uh, hardly even control, uh, you know, what, what we have in front of us today. Uh, and this brings me back to when we met, which is uh, almost a year ago, uh, on one of the first uh, webinars that, that I probably participated in uh, after the pandemic had uh, started. Uh, the, at the time, we were thinking this will be a few weeks, maximum a month or two, and then things will be back to normal. And we here we are, but this seems to be uh, you know, at least some elements of what have uh, changed seems to be sticking with us, and I hope these are the good elements. Uh, we are still in the tunnel, but we can see the light at the end of it. But from your perspective, you know, as uh, uh, you know, as trying to drive change and then support the community, uh, how has this digital medium uh, and the acceptance that uh, comes for it uh, helped you uh, do that in a better way? It has really helped me uh, tremendously, Ziad, because um, uh, a, I, I want to go back a little bit and I want to, um, uh, you know, highlight a few points as well. Um, see, I think it is really important uh, to see how when people ask you uh, or people used to ask that, you know, how do you define yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Then, uh, and they will say that do one thing that you're really good at right and uh, so then people recognize you for that and i think this is so yesterday because i feel that every new skill that you acquired or every new um, title that you have or whatever you jump into right it gives you another layer and it gives you more depth as a person and yeah. and i'm specifically saying this because this has helped me uh, a lot during this time because I was able to, um, uh, you know, I wasn't able to go out and shoot as a photographer, right? But then I was able to focus on starting something completely new and use, you know, uh, which I did. And I just recently wrapped up. So I, I almost like you said that we met last year. So I just did like one whole year of podcasting. I had like 50 okay. episodes um, almost every week. So I was almost 52 we, uh, um, episodes, you can say, and then got done with that. 
so um so coming back to your so i i just wanted to say that it's um i think it is it is courageous of one to actually uh keep trying and exploring and experimenting um and coming back to your point i feel that um i mean honestly digital media has has helped everyone in such a way because we have become producers ourselves Yes. Because I I uh, remember that I we used to have this conversation uh, with my friends a lot that you know when like back home I'm specifically talking about Pakistan that we have you know at times we think okay you know there is not much intellectually stimulating conversations going on you turn on the TV people are fighting you know the politicians are fighting um, the kind of humor uh, there is it's not really uh, you know um, uh, how should I put it something that you, your um, kids should be listening to. Uh, you know so a lot of that's but but what digital media has done and all these um forums like facebook and zoom and and insta and tiktok has done is that they have you know they have given us the power to be producers so we can produce whatever we we want and and that has really helped us i think amplify um our agendas or our voices or whatever we're trying to uh, to project so i'll give you an example again with regards to my podcast that when when i i'd been working on that project for some time and i sort of developed it and developed a pitch and then i started reaching out to different corporates that i thought you know uh, because it's a, it's a podcast for children so i thought that you know maybe you know a couple of names that i thought would be interested in sponsoring okay. a project which was geared towards children and um, and you know they were uh, uh, either they wanted to take over the project or they wanted to make like substantial changes um and then at one point in time i thought to myself that you know this is this is my creation i have put in so much hard work uh, so much thought into it i and i want to keep it as is without making it commercial right so why don't i just jump into it yes i it's going to be out of pocket but eventually when people feel that it's a quality resource you can always use patreon and other kickstarter and what not and you are going to have the backing from people themselves so that's sure. the power of social media today right so um, so yeah it has really helped um, and done wonders uh, for creators and and in addition to this uh, you know if we talk about uh, that particular podcast that you mentioned and maybe give an idea also to the audience about it it's part of there is an angle of it to give back so first let's let's talk about the podcast it's a uh, stories in urdu right for kids so how did it start and you know how i mean i know that you've done 50 episodes practically once That's a week right. as you mentioned and and yeah. more than close to 30000 uh, downloads right uh, That's right so uh, how did it start and Uh, clearly it was successful so regardless of whether a corporate uh, actually sponsored it or not you know you've impacted so many people uh, along the way obviously you didn't start with 50000 listeners the first day so how, right. how did you quickly going okay so this was a project uh, that had been growing in my mind for a very long time jad uh, because this is something that i think um, as a child even as a child I used to notice that when my uh, a lot of my family used used to live in the US and in other parts of the world and when they would visit they were not especially the children were not able to communicate in their own language mm -hmm. and even as a child I thought that it was such a huge loss and specifically like I shared a beautiful relationship with my grandmother uh, 
with my grandparents. Yeah. And, and I saw that there was this disconnect uh, between these two generations because, because of the language barrier. So I think um, uh, I made a very conscious effort. Uh, that's why you know that was one of the reasons that when my kids were born and they were both born in the US, then I made a very conscious effort to speak in, in the native language at home. But at the time, I couldn't find any quality resources uh, online or anywhere, right? So I would just read Urdu stories to them. And, but I think this, this thing in my mind of, again, uh, what, what you started um, uh, with you know, saying that, that having that sense of belonging, um, it was very important uh, for me. And um, so I thought that, you know, why not then create a resource for all those uh, parents who are in a similar boat as I once was. Um, and uh, then I would not only be doing a service to my community, but also to my country and my language as well. So that was the motivation behind that. And it's I'm pr proud to say that it's actually the first ever educational podcast on Urdu stories for children. And um, and like I said, the idea was to revive the art and medium of Urdu story narration, but more importantly, preserve the Urdu language and, and you know the lessons learned. Um, and the format that I follow also is that I tell a story, I tell it in, in, in Urdu and English, because I know that, you know, it's, ta it's targeted towards all the expat uh, Pakistani community or South Asian community, whoever you know speaks Urdu. Um, so I get all these sweet messages from around the world, you know, uh, from all these parents saying that it has really helped us, and we, we were looking for something you know similar for a very long time. I was not able to find it. Um, uh, so yeah, so this is the story behind the podcast. And the, the stories are um, original that you have created, or you are uh, helping to preserve kind of some traditional. Uh, right. No, no, the stories are not original at all. These are the stories which do not have copyright, and I'm sure you have listened to them as as well, like most from the Aesop fables as well. And I think every culture has then adopted those, like the hare and the tortoise, you know, all those. Uh, and what I do is then I, I I to bring in the educational element to it. Then if there is if it's a story about a tree, I will make it an oak tree, and then we will talk about you know how how you know what is the life of an oak tree, how tall can it get. Um, uh, if it's about a bear, I will make it say um, a brown bear, and then I'd say okay, a uh, grizzly bear, you know, so where are grizzly bears found? So that's how I make my own twist, add my own twist to it. And, um, but more importantly, it's, um, you know, I want the kids to uh, have that key takeaway from the story, you know, have that key lesson that should stay with them. Um, and it has honestly uh, been um, a, a, a tremendously fulfilling project that way. Amazing. And that's very interesting because I wanted to talk also a lot about, uh, a bit about culture and, Cricket is, is 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 a very strong cultural element in Pakistan and in other cultures as well. But it's uh, you know it's also part of the this the storytelling as well. Uh, I consider food as a strong element of culture. For instance, and Pakistani food is quite amazing. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, but you mentioned also that um, 
I was reading your bio this morning and that uh, you define uh, your, your poetry as, as a mix of your self-expression and, and patriotism. And that resonated a lot with, uh, with some thinking that I have been doing around, uh, again, how to pass you know, culture down to the generations that come and uh, the fact that you know, we have our identity and more and more as we become nomads and global, our identity blends a little bit or takes by osmosis some local elements, but we have our belonging, which is our root. Uh, and, and, you know, whatever comes with it from language, as well as food, sports and other cultural things. So uh, how, how do you uh, how do you see that going uh, in the next phase after after maybe after stories, after sports? What is next uh, coming through the Mahawash uh, poetry and podcast uh, channel? Um, well, you've said it uh, very right, because most of my work revolves around gender empowerment and culture. So I always, I think, uh, have this uh, strong sense of belong, uh, you know, uh, of connection with my roots. Um, and, uh, and especially when we are not in our homeland, I think we're all our ambassadors of our country, right? And we're all trying to project the best selves, best uh, versions of of you know a Pakistani, or because you you want to show the best uh, version of of, of uh, people from that part of the world. Um, uh, honestly, I don't know moving forward uh, what will come out of it. But I think, uh, like I said, uh, uh, you rightly pointed out uh, the book and the 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 uh, especially the podcast was uh, something which was really you know, making sure that we have more people, the next generation, you know, staying connected to to the roots. And I think hence writing in Urdu poetry as well, you know, because I write in Urdu poetry and I, um, uh, yeah, I honestly, I am not, currently I'm taking a break uh, uh-huh. and uh, letting my creative juices sort of flow. So I'm not sure what is going to come next. Um, but I, I do want to do something, uh, you know, there's another idea that I have with regards to my book, which where I want to combine sort of my uh, Urdu poetry um, with my photography, you know, and then have that sort of, uh, like I said, that mix where I have, um, uh, you know, the, the element of empowerment, uh, gender and culture that can be a culmination of all three. Uh, because when I say empowerment also, you know, a lot of my poems are actually a reminder to myself because I, I write a lot on Hudi, which is inspired by, uh, you know, Ilama uh, uh, Muhammad Iqbal, which is a great poet of our, of our part of the world. Um, and he wrote a lot on Hudi. And Hudi basically is a concept, um, very loosely you can translate it in English in, in terms of ego, but, but his concept of ego is actually the self-directive energy, you know, which basically means that regardless of your class or, uh, you know, your educational background and any sort of, you know, any individual on this earth, on this planet has immense power you know, that we all carry within us and all we need is to recognize it, to unleash it. Yeah. Yes. So, so that is where a lot of inspiration for my work um, uh, comes from. And, and, and um, unfortunately, it's never, it, my work is always layered. So it's never like one thing. So it, it, it generally is this combination of the, these three factors. Like, like I said, where I come from, the South Asian you know, aspect of it, and then, of course, the empowerment and then 
um, uh, the uh, I, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> the, I think you said the gender, the culture, the and the empowerment, and the gender, of course, being a female. Yes. Yes. That's quite interesting. Actually, I, I was in a, I was we had a women uh, business competition in Thai recently, and the finals happened in Dubai around a month ago. And uh, uh, somebody mentioned that I was Lebanese, and we had a, we had a guest speaker who uh, who heard that uh, I mean who made the connection with Lebanese. He was not Lebanese, and he said I, I like three things about Lebanon: uh, uh, Lebanese food. Which again, like links to the the cultural aspect. And then he said, "I like Lebanese women, and particularly Lebanese women who cook good Lebanese food." Which then my question to him was, "Like, what if it's a man who cooks good food?" Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think that uh, you know, the, 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 all uh, you know, all barriers and all lines are uh, are virtual these days, and mm -hmm. uh, cross them in any direction that uh, that we want. Uh, uh, I don't know from from what I'm hearing from you also, and you know, as an advice to anybody who is listening to us, uh, mix and match. Take the best of your uh, you know collective experience, uh, as little as it is or as gigantic as it might be, and and try to give something uh, back. And uh, this medium allows us, you know, whether it's uh, joining somebody else's podcast or starting your own podcast or posting yes. a few pictures about it. Uh, I think it's quite uh, enriching. Uh, and a way to give to give back uh, in certain fashion to to the rest of the community, right? Yeah, absolutely, Ziad. And I think the first step is very important, which is to just to just you know, like Nike says, just do it. You know, you you need to start. And I think that is uh, because I I hear this comment a lot from people that you you know when you think about something, you just do it. And uh, whereas we just uh, you know we wait for. I don't know, maybe there's a fear of failure or whatever. But I recently read something, and I want to share that. It's, um, I read um, uh, Trevor Noah's Born a Crime, and he said something so profound. Uh, he said that rejection is an answer. Failure yes. is an answer. But regret is something that, that is going to haunt you for the rest of your life. And you'll never and, have the answer. Uh, yeah, so that resonated so profoundly with me because I thought that exactly, you know, because you are always going to keep thinking about the what if scenarios and you are never going to find out if you were good at something and if you fail or if you, uh, you know, if you keep getting rejections, at least you tried. Yes, absolutely. And I think also, you know, one of the first TED uh, events that happened post pandemic start was uh with the writer i believe of eat pray love uh again i don't know why food comes always into discussion but uh as she was saying this illusion of control is just crippling us and i think the the the, the fear of failure is also the fear of losing control i was talking to my son the other day uh, and and we use the analogy of the bicycle. The moment you're going to start moving the bicycle, you're losing control, and you regain control. Mm. But that first instant when you move is actually a complete loss of control because you are standing 100% firm on the ground, and then you put everything in disequilibrium so that you can get started. And mm. it works a lot. So I'm sure maybe some nice analogies we can dig out from the uh, Pakistan women cricket team about you know how do you get yourself there and some of the best moves the best uh, scores might have come from a moment where you say i'm going for it it doesn't yeah. sound 
100% by his book, but I'm going for right. it. Absolutely. And also, I feel, um, uh, Ziad, if one thing that COVID has taught us all or has made us realize is that, you know, we have this attachment to predictability. Right. You know, we are planners and we take pride in the fact that we are planning ahead. And and it just made us realize that we have so little control over things, you know. Mm-hmm. And so how how do we I think the first step is to embrace that to embrace that ambiguity, to embrace that, the fact that you don't have control. And the second is, of course, that you, um, you know, you have the, I think as leaders, we need to have the muscle for creativity. You know, what what you're doing right now, maybe you wouldn't have thought it otherwise. Maybe if things were normal, you would have never started wildest yours, right? So coming, right, exactly. So, so your point when you were saying that, you know, how has digital helped us, you know, it has helped us tremendously because now we're able to connect with people which we might ne- never have otherwise because this was not, an, you know, this is the new normal now, but it was never before, right? And it has been technology at the service of this creativity. Again, a lot of the discussion with TikTok, uh, uh, Rami Zaidan the other day from TikTok was around that and how you can unleash creativity. And of course, we think this is for the kids, but more and more, we, uh, you know, uh, different generations are going to be on it and expressing ourselves in various ways. Absolutely. Well, Actually, Rami really convinced me to get onto TikTok. So I need to. <laughs> let's do it. I will be your first follower. Just let me know the <laughs> as you are left. Right. Um, that's fantastic. Thank you very much, uh, Manwash. And uh, again, uh, great uh, catching up. Hope we can uh, catch up a lot more in the coming period. Uh, it was overdue. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you again for listening to this episode. I sincerely hope you enjoyed this conversation and uh, you can continue talking to us. We will post uh, also Mahwash's uh, links in the description, her social media channel, a link to the book and uh, other ways to contact us. And, uh, you know, don't forget to subscribe to, to her podcast, listen to the previous episode and hopefully a season two coming soon. And before you tune out, also please remember to rate and review Wirelessly Yours on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Zia. Thank you for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Dear listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe to Wirelessly Yours on your favorite podcast app. We are available on all popular platforms, including Anrami, Apple, and Spotify. Your opinion matters to us, so leave us a review with your feedback. Stay tuned for more. Wireless the yours.